That that's kind of funny because I'm just imagining some casual uh, gamer buying a PS5 and and they're thinking, hmm, I'm not really an MCU fan, so I'm not going to get Spider Man. I guess I'll just try <laughs> this uh, sword game. Just Souls. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, it'll be like Skyrim. It's like Skyrim. It'll right? be like Skyrim. It has dragons, <laughs> yeah. and then they just they just break their first controller. <laughs> Him on ten intentionally. The drummer in me. Should, the drummer in you me. Should just, you it. should just. I had to sink me. into it, man. We had locked into that tempo. Locked <laughs> into that tempo. Uh, how's yeah. it going, everybody? <laughs> Welcome to the Jump Crouch Podcast. This is episode number twenty nine, I think, which means we're going to be thirty next episode next week. Uh, Kevin's like, I'm already thirty. I've been thirty for a while. I'm thirty. Uh, I, I am. I am twenty nine. So I'm getting to the oh. third floor. Why are you reminding me of this stuff, guys? Oh yeah, uh, it's all right. Wait till you get to the fourth floor. I heard. That's I didn't like good. that birthday actually. Not that the not that the, the celebration was bad of, of, of the, my thirtieth birthday, but I didn't like turning thirty. You, you felt a little depressed. About I dreaded a it. Year old man for like six months up to it happening, and then the day it happened, I was still sad, and then. Uh, I remember I was having dinner with my family, and my sister was like, oh, yeah, my brother's 30. And I was like, oh. And you're like, she's not talking about my older brother anymore. Like, she's talking about her younger brother. About me. Yeah. Yeah, I didn't like that. I don't know. It just, it just kind of, like, cemented it when they said in that third person. Yeah. I don't know. I, yeah. It's not good. Anyways. I felt like, like I'm going to have to grow up when I turn 30, and I was, like, completely wrong about that. Because now I've been 30 forever, and I, I definitely have not grown up at all. <laughs> So, so don't worry about it. You don't yeah. actually have to be very responsible or get your shit together. You can just be a kid in your thirties. Uh, all that. right, there is so much bullshit to talk about this week. There was like the biggest news, knocked my mic right there, but the biggest that. news week ever, I think. Maybe not ever, but like I don't know. Some crazy news that we're going to talk about later, in depth. And uh, I think we've all been playing a lot of games. So yes, we have. Lauren, I heard you've been. You've been getting down with the mafia. Yeah. Mafia remastered? Yeah, it's weird because I bought this game yesterday. Yesterday, yeah. So it's pretty you recent. But yesterday? Yeah, because it came out yesterday, right? Today, mm. Yeah. Yeah. And I've okay. just been playing it a lot. I just got really sucked into it yesterday. And I'm surprised. I'm surprised. I don't want to get hyperbolic and say it's this amazing game, but. It surprised me in the sense that I am playing an open world game that is structured in a way that it's completely linear. It has the mechanics of driving, shooting, just all these things that you associate with open world games, but it's structured into 20 missions Mm -hmm. and I'm on mission seven right now ish. And after playing it, I'm realizing I'm missing this type of structure in a lot of open world games because Red Dead Redemption 2, for example, or Spider-Man, those are mm-hmm. two two examples of games of where I love the story and I love the characters, but I think a lot of it is kind of messed with in terms of the pacing because it's trying to be this open world sandbox, but at the same time, it's also trying to be this linear 
character-driven experience. So it's weirdly refreshing to be playing this Mafia game. And it's just like, you know what? Get rid of all the open-world bloat. Get rid of all the upgrade systems. Get rid of all of this Mm -hmm. stuff. And we're just going to do 20 missions, story-driven, no real proper open-world. And I think the campaign's about 15 hours long. And Mm. I'm, again, about seven missions into it. And I'm just realizing, gosh, more games really should use this structure because... Should they? There's a question. That's a question. So I watched Noah Cowbell Gervais' uh, like five-hour-long review of the original Mafia. I think it was all the Mafia games. And and I, I I haven't played them, but it did strike me as interesting as that they seem to be very structured open world games and i'm curious if what does how do they benefit from being an open world if they have so much structure well that's what's so great about this mafia game is that it's literally just structured as 20 missions just Mm -hmm. um when you finish one mission or one plot beat it just goes right into the next mission so i think it's interesting taking open world mechanics and mm. you, you take them and then you put them into a linear experience, if that makes sense. And it's it's right. great because Mafia, the Mafia remake, it gives you a free ride mode. So if you want to just goof around in the open world, you can go on killing sprees, you know, all that mm-hmm. stuff. But um, if you just want to have that story driven experience, that's not too long. That's 10 to 15 hours long. I think it's great uh, hmm. so far, at least. Uh, the one thing about the game is is the game has a really compelling story and it has mm-hmm. great presentation, great music, great performances. But uh, the actual gameplay isn't that great. <laughs> it's really just cover shooting, um, car chases, etc. But I think because it's so well paced and that it's just twenty missions, it doesn't. The gameplay doesn't really bother me that much because there's just that just enough variety and the moment when cover shooting becomes boring it turns into a car chase or the moment the car chase becomes boring it turns into a stealth section and mm. i just think i think that just the fact that it's short and just this short 10 to 15 hour experience that gives you the greatest hits of all of these open world mechanics really yeah. is just services that game so well so overall i have very very i'm very surprised um also, I have a bias because I like gangster movies and stuff. And right, uh, the, right. that the head mafia mm. boss just looks looks exactly like Paul Sorvino from Goodfellas, which is hilarious. And, oh, yeah. uh, and, and it's 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 a good time. the The one thing that I would change about the release date is that is if the release was one week earlier, because that would have been the thirtieth anniversary of Goodfellas. So <laughs> that sounds pretty rad. So okay, here's a question. Given that that this that what you're saying, the strength of this game is that it gives you the linear like narrative experience and it keeps you kind of on the rails in a way that keeps you focused and driven. How does it compare to something like The Last of Us Two or even uh, Uncharted: uh, Lost Legacy, which also to some extent captures some of those open world feelings, but still puts you on a linear path? It. The, it's different in the sense that Mafia has the template of an open world. Like there's mm-hmm. Lost Haven, Haven, there's the which is basically just the fictional version of Chicago, and mm-hmm. it has an open world map and it has all of that. But instead of peppering it with uh, little Ubisoft um, marks like 
go here to do this, go here to do that, side quest here, side quest th there. It just kind of uses it as a foundation for this 20 mission linear experience. So I guess it's different in the, than The Last of Us Part Two or Lost Legacy in the sense that those games, every level is a level. It's a different location. Mm -hmm. It's a different set piece, etc. But this game is just, here's the foundation of an open world. We're crafting a linear experience mm -hmm. from that. So... But yeah, it's uh, it, it's really it's really solid so far. I'll have more complete thoughts the next time we speak. But so far, it's, it's surprisingly good. Surprisingly good. Definitely, um, the gameplay isn't again that amazing. Uh, it's a little mm -hmm. unpolished, but overall, I think it's doing something that I find incredibly refreshing. If if I had to use one word to describe it, it would be refreshing. Hmm. So uh, I had a question about it. Um, it sounds like from what you're describing, it's not. So like if you were just if I was to describe the missions in Red Dead 2, I would say like they don't take advantage of the open world gameplay. Like they're just linear Completely. missions yeah. that, right. that, that have nothing to do with the actual open world. Like it's just not the same. Like they don't take advantage of that gameplay at all. It, from what I understand, what you're describing, and correct me if I'm wrong, is it that this game does take advantage of open world design in linear missions? Is that what you're saying? Is there tactical possibility space? Well... The way I would put it is that Red Dead 2 had one foot in this open world sandbox model, and then mm -hmm. it had one foot in a more linear structured approach. Right. And to me, that was a little frustrating with Red Dead 2, because even though I still really enjoyed and loved Red Dead 2, I just think it, it really needed to commit to one or the other, in my mm -hmm. opinion, or just find a way to blend them in a more successful way. What, what, what I'm really enjoying about the Mafia remake is, it is very structured, but it is loose enough in a way where you have a little bit of freedom. I mean, mm -hmm. you're not going to see the amount of freedom that you would see in something like Metal Gear Solid Five or Hitman in terms of the approach to mission objectives, but uh, yeah. I have had experiences, ex for example, there, there was this one mission that I played yesterday where you had to kill this the head of this hotel and there, there was literally two ways you could go about it. You can go in the hotel. You could find a way to get up to where the um, hotel manager was and then kind of schmooze your way into killing him. Or you mm -hmm. could just kind of go in there and start shooting. And that's mm -hmm. fine. So there, there is some levity. It isn't like in Red Dead 2 where if you do anything outside of what the mission is telling you to do, it's a mission fail. Right. Like you just walk yeah. five yards that way, mission fail. Um, okay, that sounds pretty good. Yeah, it's good. I don't want to oversell it too much because at, at, at the same time, it, it, it's like a it fifteen is, year old game, right? Yeah, it's it's not this amazing, incredible, wow experience. I just, I just, it it's kind of a sleeper hit of this year. It's just, it's well made, um, and have I like how it's structured. So, have you done the racing segments yet? Okay, yeah, we should talk about that. So that <laughs> that is another thing we have to talk about is the racing mission and the Mafia. The original Mafia is famously mm -hmm. a Dark Souls boss, basically. And they, yeah. re they retained that difficulty for this remake, which is insane. I was playing the game on hard mode. And mm -hmm. the game was fine, and then I got to the racing section, and it was I had to put it, bring it down to easy mode because <laughs> it was so hard. And it's funny too because you can change the physics of the game 
and the car physics. So you can do accessibility options where the car physics are simulation. So it's exactly mm. how they're trying to emulate how those cars actually were like back then. And then there's the more gamer friendly setting, the more accessible setting. And I was playing in initially on the simulation setting and my car would just spin out of control constantly. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, so I appreciate what they were doing with that. I don't know if it works. Um, yeah. It's not like Microsoft Flight Simulator where you're playing that game and you're like, oh, okay, we're in the simulation. Uh, in Mafia, in Mafia, it's just frustrating. It's just better to turn the accessibility. That is the <laughs> the legacy of that particular segment is that it's just like, wait, what the fuck? All of a sudden, I'm in a racing game and it's ultra hard. Yeah. <laughs> it's just ultra hard. And it's I remember classic, playing like, it. Introduce a new mechanic and it's in the middle of the game and then yeah. leave and then never coming back to it again. Uh, okay, well, that sounds pretty cool. I have a quick report on Crisis Remastered, which is a steaming pile of horse shit. Uh, <laughs> I, like, I, they remastered the console version of a game that's notorious for being a PC kill. Like, it's they, like they, re, they remastered the, the cut down version that has backstory simplified. on this. Aaron's a secret mm-hmm. Crisis fanboy, so you got to keep I, it. I do love Crisis. <laughs> he, he, loves, he loves Crisis, so like, this is, you know, he's, this is true. he's taking so, the, so I'm I'm a little hurt. Uh, be, like, it, it runs like garbage. Um, it it doesn't look actually that much better. In some ways, it looks worse because yeah. so like the original Crisis had really complex physics where if you shot like a fence, it would break at the point that you shot it in a very natural way. So when they when they made it when they put it on Xbox 360, they had to simplify all the physics so that it breaks into much bigger chunks. I know this sounds like nitpicking, but like it looks drastically different um but that so, those were some of the qualities that made the original game like unique at the time like whoa right. this is some new technology so now right, right. simplifying i totally understand what you're saying like it's but sucks. but so here's the thing though like it's still a fun game and, and in some ways they fixed it because there was a minor issue with which kevin had a big issue with you had to shoot people a lot to kill them and they could feel a little bullet spongy so sometimes mm-hmm. the combat felt a little a little funky if you weren't getting headshots. If you're getting headshots, and, it's fine. But if you miss the those headshots, they start to feel like they, like they, uh, they made an impact on the enemy. It felt like you were shooting uh, them, and there was like no hit detection or response. I mean, they didn't. From what I, that's how I remember. That's my. That's my. Yeah. My feeling. I think it's more it. that you just had to shoot them a lot. But in any case, they did. They tightened that up so they people die a lot quicker. So actually, playing the game reminded me of how fucking good a game Crisis is, and how much of Crisis is like a fork for like where games could have gone. And that they totally did not, including the Crisis series. Like Crisis is the kind of game where you you basically are like the predator. Like you, you have this nano suit, so you have these like predator-like powers, and you're put in these really really big levels that are that, that give you a lot of the features of an open world game, and a lot of the like possibility space of an open world game. But they're still you still have prescribed objectives that you have to go to, but you can kind of do them in any order you want. And then there's, you know, there's a beginning and ex- exit to every level. So there's a critical path. But like Crisis is the kind of game where you can like sneak past a town or you can sneak into a town and just start bashing down buildings with your fists and throwing barrels at people. And like the kind of moments that you have when you're like walking through like a like a little forest of palm trees and all of a sudden like gunfire gets opened up and the trees all start falling just like in Predator. And it's like, there's just moments in that game that are, you just don't have unless they're very scripted moments in other games that just happen organically. Um, yeah. You, you know what? Uh, when I was playing MGS5, it reminded me of Crisis sometimes because like you're, Definitely. you're taking these big taking on these big bases of, of enemies and you can do like a bunch of different ways. And specifically, the thing that MGS5 really reminded me of Crisis was blowing up the watchtowers with the guys on them. Like you could destroy them and you could do that <laughs> in Crisis <laughs> as well. Like that was it was like I always love that. Like it's like such a great way to take some, <laughs> take them so out. So obviously. Blow the tower up. 
Far Cry is 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 a fork of Crisis, yeah. but like Far Cry never has the same level of like environmental simulation, which gives you the option to do weird shit like like literally jump on top of a building, use your strength mode and punch the building down and collapse the entire building on everybody inside and then grab them by the throat and throw them off the cliff and just like like things that sound <laughs> ridiculous, but the kind of things that when you're doing it, you're just like I've never done anything like this in a video game and it's <laughs> super like fulfilling and fun. Um, so it's kind of a bummer. Like crisis represents like what, what like a very high level of environmental simulation is pop brings to a video game, which we haven't seen in games cause they haven't, they've been very limited on what the CPU can bring. But maybe now that we have these next gen consoles with these super beefy CPUs, we're going to see games with that type of simulation come back where like you can be walking through a forest and trees will fall on you as people unload, you know, gun, you know, bullets on you and like in a really realistic, interesting way. So the so I uh, hope so. So the Crisis Remaster that I was actually thinking about purchasing it. It just doesn't live up to the hype. Do not. Now, if you want to play Crisis, play the original version from GOG. Buy it for I think it's like five bucks on GOG. Play it on a PC at 1080p. Uh, it, it do not. Pl- I, from what I understand, I haven't watched the. I haven't read all the things, but I believe the console versions are broken. The PC version I would call kind of broken. It doesn't actually. Yeah, it's not good. It's just not good, it's just honestly. It's not good. <laughs> it's, 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 it looks a little better, but then it looks a lot worse, and it's nerfed in ways that I think fundamentally lose the essence of what makes that game so great. Oh, that's too bad. That's good, because I've actually never played Crisis, so, and I would like to try it at some point, so that's a shame. It, it is a shame. So as I said in the spoiler cast for The Last of Us 2, Crisis is a big influence on games like Lost Odyssey and, and The Last of Us 2. So it is it is an interesting game, and it's I would like to see more games like that, because I think it kind of represents my perfect melding of like open world and linear, where it's like Hitman 2 is maybe the closest thing that kind of gives you that that kind of possibility space. Yeah, I, I'm a big fan of it, obviously. I'm, I've kind of turned into a cranky old man when it comes to open world games, so I like it when games give you the feel of openness while not necessarily being an open world game. So I'm mm-hmm. definitely interested in playing it um, with that said, or at least seeing more yeah. games like it. Right. So, yeah, don't don't buy Crisis Remastered. Just play the original game on a PC because that's apparently the only place you're going to get a good experience. Sadly, Kevin, you have been playing Bioshock, another, another 2007 game and Bioshock two remastered Bioshock two. I played through the first Whoa. game before. <clears throat> and the funny thing about playing the first game was like, I really loved the first game back in the day. I was like, this is an amazing game. And then for some reason over time, I just like, for some reason, my, my respect for it dropped for one reason or another. I don't know why. I just, I felt like it took games in a, in a direction that I didn't like. And I felt like the gameplay wasn't going to be good going back. But, like, I really, really enjoyed playing the first game again. Like, I liked it as much as I did back in the day. It wasn't as, like, new and exciting as it was in the day. Because, obviously, a big part of that game is, you know, the experience of the environment and, and all that stuff. Um, but the gameplay, I think, it really held up. Uh, it reminded mm. me a lot of what I liked about Prey. I think the shooting is actually better than Prey. Um, but, you know, Prey has a lot of... I think Prey, has, you can do more in Prey. But, like, they're definitely, yeah. obviously, of the same style game. Mm-hmm. Um, Prey has this thing though where the crosshair is like 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 on the bottom of the screen. And I hate that. Yeah. I wish that it was yeah. not in the, it was in the center. Like well, I don't I don't get that. <laughs> I don't but, know why they did that either. Um, <laughs> anyway, it's Bioshock One, amazing game, still a masterpiece in my opinion. Uh, Bioshock Two, I played it once and I like forgot about it back in the day. So I, I was kind of like, eh. but playing it again, I'm like, oh, this is still a good game. 
you play as a big daddy in the second game, which I think may or may not work. I'm mm. like, I'm trying to decide if that's a good idea still. Like, the problem is, is the big daddies are like the, like, part of Bioshock is like, you're like this, the first game is like, you're this foreigner in this strange world and you're like weak compared to like these, you know, monstrous things walking around. And then I, in this game, you're like already the powerful big daddy, but you're not. You're like weaker. The game's like guns are like all less powerful than the first games. Like, you're actually like a weaker character than Jack from the first Bioshock. But the guns mm. are all like overpowered because you're like a big hulking dude like like the the tommy gun from the first game is like a 50 caliber like spinning chain gun in the second game hmm. but it still does the same damage and like <laughs> it's just it's just like like it, the gun's fine but like why why not just make it like a regular i don't know it just it feels weird you should just shoot like these splicers like 500 times a 50 cal bullets it's just like what mm. like <laughs> i don't know i know that's a strange nitpack nitpick but I think like when you're the supposed to be the all powerful thing, it, the world's not as like scary because you're like yeah. already a powerful being. So right, right. Um, so so it's kind of funny that you're that Kevin that you played the Bioshock uh, remastered collection because I also played through it. I actually did not get a chance to finish Bioshock two, but I played through the first one. Uh, Bioshock Infinite and the DLCs. So it, it's been interesting revisiting those because I haven't played those in a very long time. But the the first game, yeah, has aged really well. Uh, I can't mm-hmm. believe how relevant everything Andrew Ryan says is. Like, yes. All I do is I look at Fox News and I'm like, oh my gosh, Andrew Ryan. <laughs> Amazing. <laughs> but anyway, <laughs> it's so relevant. But, but yeah, great, great game. I think my only criticism of that game playing it now, actually I have two. One of them is I think the best way to play that game is to turn off the Vita Chambers and just when you mm. die, you just load the last save because I think mm-hmm. the Vita Chambers make the game way too easy. And mm. Also, and maybe this is a controversial opinion, but I think the game should have ended pretty much right after the giant would you kindly reveal because once that mm. reveal hits, that's it, I feel. I feel like mm-hmm. and and then the game kind of goes on for another 3 or 4 levels and I think it just kind of overstays its welcome just a little little bit, but everything from the beginning up to that giant reveal holds up so well. I totally yeah, I agree. agree. Yeah, I I think I like how Andrew Ryan's philosophy like actually impacts the game. Like it's all it's this extremely like pay for everything society like like free market world. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So yeah. like when you get the cops on you, you can just pay to like have the security bots go away. Like you can just pay money, and it's like oh yeah, they're yeah. <laughs> yeah. you can buy yeah. your freedom basically. And it's like it fits. It just fits like the gameplay and the world fit together so well. Like it's a very believable kind of environment in that way. It's it's like free market uh, libertarianism gone insane kind of. It's like what what if everything had a dollar sign on it? It's 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 a fascinating world. And the second game's villain is like a collectivist. Like she's a Mm. strong. And and it's weird because like in the presentation of the story, that's something I want to talk about. The second game, the story of the second game is just completely unbelievable to me. It was just Mm -hmm. like like they introduced this new character who's apparently like been this like big problem for ryan like the thorn in his side the entire time but like they don't mention him in the first game or her in the first game at all and like like right. it was all about his civil war between fontaine and it was like you, you want me to believe this character was like around when like she clearly wasn't <laughs> and hmm. i don't know all her audio logs were i don't know why i'm not sure if it's just the performance of the actress i don't think it is but i, I just found them to be like just full of drivel and i just like didn't like for some reason ryan's the way he talks is just like even though i don't like anything he's saying like he's just an engaging character like he's very well written yeah. 
you know you right. understand um, the logic of right but too. i can't like, stand sophia lamb i like she drives me mm. crazy like i can't stand listening to her lecture I, I don't know what it is just like the way she talks what do you think Warren? did you have any opinions about that uh yeah you know the the thing about bioshock 2 i i actually didn't get too far into it but i it did strike she did strike me as just not as compelling a character yeah and it didn't engage me in the same way and the the villains of the first bioshock are just so iconic i mean fontaine and ryan they are just we remember those two characters right And, and it's kind of wild playing through the first game again i was actually paying attention to the audio recordings with atlas and fontaine because i wanted to and they do plant the seeds as you're playing the game of the eventual reveal i don't Mm -hmm. i mean the the game's been out long enough i could just say yeah fontaine and uh, atlas are the same person and as i'm playing through the game and you really pay attention to that you kind of start to see uh little hints in the audio recording suggesting that they could be the same person and it's pretty wild mm. it's so mm-hmm. subtly put in there but it's never a dead giveaway which is incredible they did um, a good job with that uh, one yeah. thing i want to mention about the second game is the gameplay is i mean other than like the things i complain about it's potentially better for one thing the hacking is mm-hmm. much easier to do and much like it's just you can do it quickly and the hacking yeah. in the first game like while it's fun if, at first it gets really the first five old times. yeah it's like you really <laughs> yeah, do not want to hack once you're once you're after you've done it like yeah like five or six times or whatever um so the second game it's you can do these quick little like it's just like a little bar goes across the screen you press a button to like hit at the right time and that's it and so like you mm. fail or you succeed um yeah. so it being that hacking is easier like you want to hack everything now and you also have like a dart gun you can shoot and hack stuff from a distance, which is really useful. Uh, I, I like that a lot. Um, one thing else is the first game, and like Prey is like a Metroidvania, and when I say that, you can go back to the first areas. You can always go back in Bioshock 1. Bioshock 2, you cannot go back at all. Right. It's a sequential level by level, and once you beat the level, you can never go back. And they said that they did this because a limitation of the technology of the time, which would have been the seventh gen consoles, 360 and PS3, that they, they felt like the load times were too long with the size of the levels they had in the second game to go back. So literally, Hmm. technology limited this game's design, which is interesting to me. A little bit of a bummer in that regard. We'll talk more about that later. Um, Um, And one other thing I want to say about the remaster is there's some areas where the texture blending looks horrible in the remaster. I don't know why hmm. they mess with some of the textures, but like the way that they fit, uh, like you know like in a house, you have like a carpet and you have the molding and you have the wall? Like there's no molding, so the the, the floor and the wall just have this like blocky, common. Uh, it just looks really bad. And there's some reflections in Bioshock 2. And this one area called Sirens Alley that just looks so. It looks horrible. Like I turned reflections mm. off. They looked so bad. So there's definitely a little bit of butchering of the original art style with the remaster, which is unfortunate. Um, but I'm still playing it because of FOV and other adjustments that you can make on the remaster that I. Oh like. so, right, right. Yeah. Okay. So a game that Kevin and I am playing a lot of still is Microsoft Flight Simulator, which I got to say, maybe game of the year. It's in, I'm not even kidding. You think I'm kidding, but like maybe game of the year. Like I'm, I'm, I'm leaning pretty heavily in that direction. What do you think, Kevin? Uh, maybe in the top three. Not my, my game of the year would be Street Rage 4, but that would be... Streets of Rage 4? Okay. Yeah. But that's that pretty would, rad. Yeah, that game's amazing. Uh, that's like a masterpiece game. But I think... Uh, so is uh, not not to diminish this game though. Uh, Flight Sim is amazing, and it's it's actually like a new thing, 
And Aaron and mm-hmm. I kind of play it and just like hang out. Like it's like a, we we just kind of like chill and fly over stuff. And I'm sure he's had the same experience. But it's kind of cool to like go somewhere and kind of like get a feel for what it's like being there in a way. Like a place that I've never been. I'm like, oh, I now know what's southwest of Beijing. Like because we've flown over there and we check out the mountains. Like, yeah. I didn't know that there was a whole mountain range of f- amazing forests and stuff. Like it's just kind of interesting to like explain. Because like, you know how you get to know a video game world. Like you know you probably know Skyrim or you know whatever right like you kind of get to know the planet in a way <laughs> it's, it's also <laughs> insanely massive obviously like exponentially larger than any video game world so yeah right i mean yeah it's it's a one-to-one model of the earth the thing that makes it interesting and like Oren, you're talking about how like the checklists and the prescribed things to do in open world games drive you nuts this is a For game sure. that has nothing zero to do so everything that you do is your own set goal and there's a lot of research that shows that if you if you achieve a goal that you set for yourself, it's rewarding. If you achieve a goal that somebody else set for you, it feels like work, even if it's the same yeah. goal. Doom yeah. Eternal, um, for sure. For sure. Right, it's a Doom Eternal <laughs> or, or a lot of uh, Ubisoft games in general have uh-huh. to suffer from that problem. So this is a game we could just be like, like Kevin and I were like, okay, let's go to Beijing and check it out. And we're like, holy shit, Beijing's huge. Let's fly through these mountains. And we're just flying through these mountains and they're like crazy beautiful mountains that are just, and the, the clouds are like low in the hills. And mm-hmm. it just looks incredible. The sun is like setting over the hill. And we just flew for like an hour and just checked out. And like, I wonder what this little town down here is like. I wonder what life's like there. And you can just kind of like circle around the town and get a, like a feel for it. Like it's the ultimate exploration game. Um, yeah. In a lot of ways, it's it, I don't want to say the ultimate open world game, but it, it's, a, it's bringing an open world experience that I think is present in every open world game, but overlooked because of the prescribed bullshit to do. that Everybody skips the actual just like being in the place. So like this is a game you can only really be in the I mean you can also learn how to fly. Like we're all we're both flying, at least I'm flying on like the easiest setting. So it's basically just like autopilot. Yeah. Right? Right. Uh, so I'm not playing it to learn how to fly, but I'm playing it to explore the world and it's incredible for that. Um I don't know. Like I, I don't I don't wanna talk too much about this game, but I really, really like it. I think it's 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 something that everybody should check out. Anybody who has Game Pass and a PC, and we're going to talk more about Game Pass in a little bit, uh, has access to this game, and it is coming to the next-gen Xbox consoles. So, Yeah, I, I guess the one thing I'll say about it, first of all, I haven't played it, but um, it is kind of funny when I look back on open-world games. Like, I, I'm always kind of shitting on this game, but Horizon Zero Dawn is a game mm. where I don't think in the 20 or so hours I played that game, I ever felt like I really inhabited the place because of all mm-hmm. of those check markers, all those markers on the uh, map and the uh, checklist aspect of it. And I can totally get why playing Microsoft Flight Simulator, it, that you can actually just be in Beijing, you can be in the mountains, you can just fly and take it all in. And mm-hmm. I never really felt that way because of the way horizon zero dawn is structured yeah uh so yeah strongly recommend microsoft flight simulator another game i dipped back into that we talked a little bit about in our doom episode i've been replaying doom eternal after watching like an hour-long interview with um not marty stratton diego uh, uh, it was both hugo Hugo martin and marty stratton they're both there yeah okay yeah and 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 kind of getting a feel for what they're what they want you to take from the game and and I've kind of come to the conclusion that like playing Doom Eternal on Hurt Me Plenty is maybe the most satisfying way to play the game. Because if you play the game on Ultraviolence or Nightmare, it's hard as fuck. 
and you have to rely on that perk that makes it gives you that last chance perk where time mm, slows down yeah, everything yeah. goes black and white and i find that to be the most flow shattering thing that can possibly happen in a video game when time slows down you're like oh i gotta save myself like it totally just ruins the feeling of i'm kicking ass which which is what they want and there's definitely a virtue to that but when you play on hurt me plenty you don't even need to use that perk and you can just kind of run around and just fuck shit up and it it's much more reminiscent of what i liked about doom 2016 of you just kind of wrecking shit. And, and so I was having a lot of fun playing through the game like that. I might finish it finally. I might not. I'm not sure. Um, but I, I was enjoying that game. And I was saying, thinking myself, like all things considered, it's still a pretty good dupe game. It's, it's kind of funny that you say that because I played the Wolfenstein, the recent Wolfenstein game, not Youngblood, New Colossus. And I was playing mm-hmm. it on hard difficulty and I was not having too much fun. And then I changed mm. the difficulty to super easy mode and I had a blast. So <laughs> I totally get that because you're to- you're right. I-, I was relying on that perk way too much when I was playing the game. And I think maybe one of these days I'll play through the game on an easier difficulty because nightmare mode is rough in that right. game, especially with the Marauders. Yeah. The, what do you think of the oh, Marauders, by the way? I'm not a huge fan of the Marauders. Yeah. He, uh, Hugo Martin kept saying, people like the Marauders. People like the Marauders. <laughs> I don't know who likes the fucking Marauders. Kevin said he likes the Marauders, right? Yeah. Do you want to defend the Marauders? I Okay, so I think the Marauders remind me of like a match of Quake against someone. That's, that's what they're more akin to, I think. And, right. Yeah. Right. Like They're very fast moving, and, and it requires you to really be on your toes. I think they're a little bit cheap in their AI, particularly just how mm. they're invincible all the time. Like That's... Yeah. Like... The idea of I understand what they're going for, which is like break up the style of the game, like make you play differently. You have to suddenly play defensively versus playing yeah. super aggressively. But it is a little bit annoying. Like when I when I first was playing the game, I put cheats on and like used the BFG and just sat there and blasted him with infinite ammo over and over and quad damage. And like he wasn't dying. And I was like, <laughs> what the hell? Like these guys are bullshit. So like there's clearly some BS in their design, which is kind of lame. But like I think they're fun fights. Like when you when like when you're when you're having if a one one against one. Them, no, yeah, it, you're right. It's it's fun when it's one on one, but the problem is that after that first fight, they keep throwing them in when you're fighting a bunch of other dudes. And the stupid dog, honestly, the stupid dog. I I, I almost don't mind the Marauder. It's his fucking dog, it's a dog that I yeah. hate. Yeah, the dog is just like, give me a fucking break. Wait, um, I can't even remember the dog. The they they dog? have like a ghost dog thing that like attacks you. Yeah, have a ghost dog. Oh, the ghost dogs. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, yeah, I do remember that. Yeah, yeah, they gotta nerf that character somehow. I mean, it's not my biggest problem with the game, but gosh, those things can be so annoying, and especially so, if you're <laughs> out of super shotgun ammo. Mm. The DLC <laughs> is going like more in that direction, like more marauders, harder gameplay. Like it's gonna be more. And, right. and and the thing I, I agree is it feels like work. Like I think I'm like, man, I want to go play that game. But I'm like, do I? I feel like I don't really feel like playing it. Like we right. were like yeah. we were so hard on it in our Doomcast. Like we said nothing really good about the game. And like <laughs> it is a really good game. I still think it, it's a great game. Yeah, it's it it is a really good game. Like I think we should I should definitely say that. Like it's a fantastic game. But I I do like I enjoy it. But I also like it. I don't enjoy it that much. Like I don't. It's it's not that I don't enjoy it, but it, it's just work. It's like it's yeah. not. It's like it requires too much of me. That's why I never beat it. Is because I got to this part where I was like, it, it had been like four or five days since I played it. And I'm like, I don't even remember how I got into this encounter. There's a. I think there was a marauder, and I was just like this feels like work and i was on like the last level like the level before the last level i think and i was just like this feels like like i've got to do some work so so yeah yeah, playing it on on hurt me plenty is not easy for say like it's still it's still challenging but the challenge feels 
akin to ultraviolence in Doom 2016. Um, but speaking of games that are fucking hard, uh, Spelunky 2. Yeah. Okay, so Spelunky you fucking two. told me some bullshit in the pre-show that I'm just like, <laughs> fuck you, man, because I played that game... <laughs> 187 deaths on my account. And I also play it <laughs> controller swap with my girlfriend, so probably two or 150, if, if we're honest, to get to level two, two. Yeah, I got to world six. That's right. I got to world six. I've been playing this game so much. I've been swearing so much when, when I've been playing it, but gosh, I don't know what, it, it's just so addictive. And Spelunky- That is impressive. Yeah. Uh, it was a very lucky run. I usually get to World 3 or 2. But anyway, Spelunky 2, sequel to one of the most famous roguelikes ever. Um, mm-hmm. And it's just, it's hard. It is a hard game. And I've been watching speed runs. I've been trying to figure out some of the secrets. And it's incredibly mm. obscure in the way that Dark Souls is obscure. But... Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's one of those games where you just die and you go right back to the beginning and then you just say it's it's two in the morning or three in the morning and you just say to yourself, just one more run, just one more run. Yeah. And it's a blast. I mean, mechanically, it's pretty much perfect. But yeah, it's hard. <laughs> it, it is really hard just to, because it, for people who are listening that don't know what Splunky is, Splunky is a roguelike. It, it's a 2D side-scrolling one. Um, it's different from something like dead cells because it's much more focused on uh, movement and sort of exploration rather than combat though it does have combat um i guess it's more it's like mario is maybe the closest thing but it's more more than mario um it's interesting because it's one of these games that you definitely you need to learn lessons it's more than mario well, I mean, it's yeah, yeah. It, it, it's it, more than it, I don't want to say more it, it, than Mario. It, it, it yeah. is more. Than, it, it's better than Mario. Mario. Oh, that's a Mario? good tagline, though. It's more it's Splunky. Yeah. It's more than Mario. It's more than Mario. <laughs> uh, but like, it's one of these games. Like the first day that I played it, and and I really think that every time you play it, you have to learn a lesson, and then you have to sleep and like <laughs> yeah. encode that lesson, and then you can apply that lesson the next day. So it's like that fucking brutal. Uh, the first day I was playing the game, the stupid traps were just annihilating me constantly. Oh, yeah. I couldn't make it past a trap. <laughs> now I never get hit by a trap. But I, it literally took like two or three days of just getting destroyed by these traps to realize, okay, I need to check for traps or throw my little pooch at the trap. Yeah, it, it, it was crazy. The first day that, that I played it, I said to myself, I'm just going to play this game nonstop because I've been waiting for this game. I played the first Spelunky back in the day. I'm just going to get really into it. I played it for two hours and I was already swearing at the TV and I just needed mm-hmm. to disconnect myself and just go for a walk for 20 minutes and come back. And that's just the way to play the game. It's not really meant to be played in these large trunks because as you said, Aaron, you really you need to let your brain kind of soak it in and let your emotions kind of subside and then you can go back into the, into the game. It's It's really remarkable. And on top of that, the game has some of the most obscure secrets ever. And yeah. the the first game, some of the secrets weren't discovered until years after the fact, after its release. So this game's no different. There, there, it's the kind of game where you'll be exploring and you'll find this item. And that item has something to do with another item that's in a secret area in the next level. And then you need to use that second item for something else. 
And then all of these items will be used eventually to unlock the secret ending of the game. So it's very obscure. And on top of that, you have this incredible difficulty. So it, it's really, it's a hardcore Mario game. It's like, it, it, mm-hmm. it's, it's Mario, Mario for Masochists. It's Mario for Masochists. <laughs> it is Mario for Masochists. Um, <laughs> yeah. I'm having an enormous amount of fun. It, it didn't really totally click, I think, until last night, which is the night that I got to level 2-2. Oh, my God. Um and I was like, I need to get to level two before this podcast because I don't want to go on the podcast and say that I haven't got past the first <laughs> level <laughs> despite owning the game for two weeks now. So thank God I did that last night. But um, now I'm, I'm starting to feel the itch. But it took, like I said, it took some like learning lessons, sleeping on those lessons before I could even apply them. Um, yeah. Uh, I have one more thing to say about that before we move on. The uh, uh, First of all, most of my runs in that game... I will die at world one or two, but every Mm. now and then I'll have a run where I just get totally in the groove and the RNG is perfect and I'll get to level five or six. And that's when the game really becomes amazing. Uh, The other thing that I want to mention is I was listening. There's no shame in what you're saying, Aaron, because I was listening to the bomb cast and like two of the guys on the giant bomb cast said that they could only get to like one three so <laughs> i think a lot of game critics and a lot of games journalists are also having the same problem of i want to review this game but i'm just not getting any progression <laughs> so. it's gonna take years yeah it's, <laughs> yeah it's not it's not a game you're gonna beat in your first sitting unless you're unless you're a spelunky one pro which i am not at all yeah uh, I've, know, I've gotten but... further into this one than Spelunky one, so I, mm. I guess I've gotten better at side scrollers. I guess. Well, yeah. So yeah. anyway, speaking of Mario, though, what's <laughs> what's better than Mario in two D? Mario in three D? Maybe. <laughs> nah, nah. <clears throat> no, I think Mario in two D is better. But you, Kevin, have a special collection. I got the uh, Mario All Stars collection on Switch, which you can only get for a year for some reason. Not just physically. Wait, what? You can't buy it what? in a year digitally. They're going to take it off the e-store. That Blows is, my mind. Doesn't make any sense. I have no idea. But I got it in that window where you could buy it. <clears throat> we still have apparently like three Yeah, I got some data. You got like maybe like 11 months to still to buy it. Yeah. But uh, anyways, it's, it's, a, it's a quote remaster of Mario 64, Mario mm. uh, Sunshine, and Mario galaxy which i've never played before i had previously obviously played mario 64 i think it's one of the greatest you know 3d fps of blah 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 uh mario sunshine i think is a horrible game and playing it again i still think it's <laughs> a horrible tell our brother game. That. My, my childhood my child i'm sorry nah, i played I a game as a kid like too okay okay i returned it as a kid as a mario loving child i returned the game to gamestop or funko land or whatever because i i mm. just didn't like Funkle it land. So I, I got it from the store, right? I think it was on Sunday or something. And then the next day I feigned sickness so I could stay home and play it all day on that school day. And I did play it all day. And I remember getting to some <laughs> level where I was getting like blown up by some like fire thing. And I was like, you know what? I'm done with this game. And I returned it. I, I returned the game. <laughs> yeah. I got Turok Evolution or something. But that that game sucks. I'm sorry to like rag on it so hard. But I, I, playing it again, I do not like it. And there's people posting GIFs on Twitter of just like all the insane bugs one of them is Mario's uh, dying as he collects the star, so he's like playing this like the death animation while the star's like going to. It looks like the star's killing him. It's really <laughs> funny. I, I you should look it up. But uh, I uh, Mario Galaxy is an amazing game. 
I'm, I'm sad that I missed it back in the day, but I'm also maybe glad that I missed it back in the day because apparently to do the uh, attack thing, you had to like do a motion wiggle on the Wiimote. In this game, you can True. press a button on the on the thing. So I, I maybe, I don't know. I never was a big fan of the Wii motion controls. I felt like they were inaccurate and kind of troublesome yeah, and cumbersome. they sucked. Um, they just weren't, I don't know, the technology wasn't there yet, I guess. Uh, mm-hmm. So this game does have some forced motion control, unfortunately. You can use the uh, Joy-Cons, which work well, or you can use the Pro Controller, which does not work well. Um, but they both do work. Uh, Galaxy overall, though, is just awesome. It's not as good as uh, Odyssey. Playing it reminds me just of like how great Odyssey is, <laughs> and yeah. like how this how this was almost there, but like not quite there mm. yet. But it's st- it's still great, and it's very like linear too. I know that sounds weird, but like Mario sixty four was like you go into a map and you can get seven different stars. Mario Odyssey was a gap. You can go into a map and get like a hundred different moons. This game you can go into a map and get one. So you you can only you only can go forward to get the one thing like on the mm. mission that you choose. But it's still really cool. It has all sorts of crazy different designs with small planets and gravity and you know it, it's a great game. Hmm. I just want to say though that Nintendo was lazy on this remaster. Like it's called All Stars, mm. and the original All Stars branding was the SNES remake of all the uh nes mario games right which and is they redrew remake. all the sprites for and music and everything for all of those yeah. games like they put some effort in this game they just ported them to switch emulated them and up the resolution a little bit on mario 64 runs in 720p which actually doesn't look too bad because it is it's like a 64 game so it doesn't yeah. actually look that bad in 720p like oh this looks fine on my 4k tv it doesn't look that bad but uh yeah it's 30 FPS. Come on, they could have made it 60. I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. Is it, can't you play that on PC at in 60 FPS? Yes, you can. 4K. Yeah. That's the, yeah. <laughs> I mean, like they could have just got the PC emulating version of it, right? Like, what's up with that shit? I don't. Because it, it is. It's, it's just a, an emulator, right? It's a low effort port. Like they they yeah. they know it's guaranteed money. They don't have to put a lot into it. That's kind of what they did. So. Hmm. You Still, know, Galaxy's uh, awesome. Us yeah. talking about Mario is a really great segue into a better game called Spelunky 2. Oh, okay. It's more was... than Mario, as a matter of fact. <laughs> more than Mario. Uh, mechanically more than Mario. But yeah. Mario is kind of brilliant for its simplicity. Well, that's interesting. Uh, I'm glad that Mario Galaxy is fun. I played that on the the Wii way Are back you, in the day. Did I, you have it? Yeah. I never played uh, it. I, did, I, I don't know. I just did. I, I had it. I think we, you'd come over and play Resident Evil Four. Is what happened. You'd be like, "Ooh, Resident Evil Four, the motion uh, controls, yeah." Uh, but <laughs> so you, um, you had Galaxy. It's you know, yep. it's it still looks pretty good for a uh, 2007. Wii it looked game. really good back then. It looks uh, like even though back then it was technically a graphically behind the times game right. because you know the Wii was not was underpowered like, or whatever. Like a but it, it looked really good back then. So yeah, and it was fun. But I the, the motion controls were just horseshit, especially for that Twilight Princess game. Zelda yeah. game it, that is just like Nintendo don't ever do this to us again never <laughs> okay so a lot of news this week the PlayStation 5 had a show where they showed the Demon Souls remastered was going to come to PC only <laughs> oh, to man. retract the statement as human error hours Dude. later and then I remembered though after like spending a whole day of honestly turmoil being like oh my god Sony's finally doing the right thing and then no <laughs> yeah no, I that- actually <laughs> can play Demon Souls on my PC and I can play Demon's Souls on my PS3. So, I, I dude, for me that was like finally something good this year. Yeah, like some real was. good news. Demon's Souls remake is coming to PC. I can play it in 60 FPS on my with my friends on Steam. Oh yep. my God, what? Ugh, that ugh. I wanted to like yeah. start a re- start a rebellion 
honestly, I range of emotions. <laughs> I'm going to say that actually, and we'll talk a little more about this. The, the rebellion has, has been started because of that, 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 that was kind of the straw that broke the camel's back. Uh, but okay. Was it? So for me, yes, I'll talk more about this in, a, in a sh- shortly, but PS five came out with their price. The price is pretty good. Uh, mm-hmm. I guess or competitive, competitive, and um, and then apparently they like sold out before before they even like announced when now, and where you yeah. could buy it because yeah. people accidentally came to uh, market, so you can't get a PS5. So one other thing about that that thing was the they also they said that uh, Final Fantasy 16 was displayed on oh, PC. Yeah. And it was going to mm-hmm. come to PC. That's also not coming to PC. That's only on PlayStation right no, now. It, it's a timed exclusive. They, they're being coy about it. They're not. They're, that's what. It, that's, I'm sure that's what it is going to be. But it's they haven't. To PC. They're not. They're not staying that right now. They're doing right. the Sony so thing. I will of say, like, we won't give you information that is useful on this. That game looked cool. It did. I don't care that much about Final <laughs> Fantasy VII remake, although I'll play it maybe when it comes to Steam. And I, Final Fantasy XV looked like not cool to me. That's all I'm going to say. It's fun. Uh, but Final Fantasy XV, despite looking generically fantasy in some ways i was like oh i kind of want to play this game so they said when they finished ff15 that they wanted to return to the roots of final fantasy which is in you know classic fantasy right so it looks like it takes place in the world of ivalice i don't know if it actually does but which is where final fantasy tactics and final fantasy 12 and i think maybe one of the mmos i'm not sure um so that 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 seems kind of cool um yeah yeah that looks neat i mean i mean i I just think the the style looks grounded in a way that final fantasy games haven't really felt like in a while so i'm interested yeah yeah and it looked like it looked to have kind of like i guess a game of thronesy sort of like political backbone Mm -hmm. to it that seemed interesting did you notice they mentioned it looked crystals that's like the classic final fantasy thing it's like they've taken the crystal yeah they did (laughs) the crystal there's a problem with the crystal in this game yeah so yeah, as Alucard would say, I'm interested in this. I want to play that game. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah it looks cool. It, it looks good. It looks good. Uh, okay, so really quickly, the 3080, which is the video card that Kevin and I were talking about last week that we really wanted to buy, sold out <laughs> in <laughs> 17 seconds, which was which was quicker than the refresh time on most yeah. people's browser. Because it, apparently bots purchased a bulk of it, but not all of it. It was apparently actually a very sizable uh, launch quantity but it sold out in seconds um and may not be available till next year who knows uh and we'll see this trend repeating the same thing happened with the ps5 xbox launched this week i believe also sold out in seconds the wow. 3090 card came out this week sold out in seconds so uh, people are buying shit uh in ways that they they weren't they didn't used to yeah it's people are crazy it's frustrating. The 30, 3080 particularly was mm. is extremely frustrating just because, like, I, I was a work day for me. I got up at, you know, 5.50 to go to the stores. I had Newegg. I had Amazon. I had new, I had all the websites open. And then yeah. half of them crashed because of, you know, essentially denial right. of service because everyone was yeah. trying to use them. And yeah. then, yeah, I couldn't buy the card. And then they're now, there's now scalpers selling them for $1,500. But Or more. The, or more. But they're might be getting what's coming to them on that people have reverse engineered their own bots to bid on them so whenever someone bids on it they, their bots will outbid them so the sellers can't actually sell the cards to anyone that's that's a funny thing it's that it's, is funny it's just funny because the scalpers are generally people that i think most people consumers don't like for good reasons uh, especially right. when they create artificial scarcity by buying up the stock that's pretty it's pretty lame so yeah yeah i still haven't got my card aaron hasn't none of my friends have it's frustrating we're hoping that we can get one. 
I hope people can buy their PS5s and Xboxes too. <laughs> one, yeah. I mean, at the same time, there's no rush on really any of those yeah. things. But <laughs> I need a new GPU. I've been talking about the 30 series GPU, buying one for like six months. Yeah. I'm ready yeah. for the next gen card. So it's kind of. I'm obviously interested in buying the PS5 uh, personally, but even then. I think I'm only really interested in one game that's coming out this year, so I'm okay with waiting a little bit to buy one of these right. things. So yeah, is yeah. it the Horizon West game? That's got to be it, right? Oh I'd yeah, guess. that's oh, the yeah. that's the Orin game, which is so, also going to come out on PS4. On PS4, yeah. So people oh, yeah. are yeah. pissed about that too. Yeah. So let's talk about that. People are pissed about that because because it quote unquote holds the game back, which I both understand but think is kind of a hilarious sleep silly thing at the same time like, right like sure it, it might hold back the technology but like every game is held back by the technology it's released on no game is is optimized for the for the best piece of technology available they're always optimized for the lowest common denominator so it's like mm. yeah pc I, gamers have been suffering from this for years yeah we've been suffering <laughs> from this for years so fuck you guys yeah <laughs> it's not really that justified i think I, I agree. I don't really have too much to add except that maybe the PS4 version will run it at 30 FPS yeah. while the PS5 one will run it at 60, you know. If so. it doesn't, then are, you, are we going to feel robbed? They give you, <laughs> yeah. Like it's it's I'm assuming it's it looks incredible on PS5, so I don't think yeah. it's going to be it, they're just going to scale it way down for the PS4 version and Right. Yeah. I mean, my biggest concern with that game is that they fix the ga- some of the game design problems I have with it. It's mm. not even the technology necessarily. <laughs> so, right. Right. Yeah. yeah. Um, I get that point. I understand what they're complaining about, and like I thought, hi, the same intu- intuition, but like it's going to be a great game. Like, like Bioshock Two was limited by technology, right? I was just talking about that. Right. Like, it, right. but you know, it'll probably not be that big of a deal. Right. Uh, yeah. I I think we should all expect crossover between you know eighth and ninth gen consoles for at least a year or two oh yeah transition. so yeah. that that's usually how it, how it goes it, it might even go further especially with the xbox series s there you might see tons of crossover especially with what's happening yeah. with mm-hmm. microsoft uh, at least for but the next few years demon souls that or looks fantastic oh right? yeah. those graphics are incredible that is not a cross-gen game um, no. and it runs at 60 <laughs> fps on the ps4 or yeah, PS5. Sorry, PS5. Which is which is maybe the baseline for this next gen of consoles. Better right. performance across the board looks great. Yeah, yeah. I, I, that looked it looks so good. I've, I'm mm-hmm. like, ah, oh, I want that so bad. Yeah, I, I think symbolically it's great too because with the PS4, really the first big great game for the PS4 was Bloodborne. So I think yep. Sony coming out and basically doing the PS5 gesture. That same sort of gesture, but for the PS5 is really awesome, and it's got me hyped. For me, it's that like said, it's it's a or, it's a hello my like darkest my old friend like frustration because I bought the PS4 for Bloodborne, and like <laughs> I I only liked Bloodborne, and the only first party game for something I really loved was Bloodborne, and then until I played Last of Us Part Two, which I think was also fantastic, um, but it just sucks because. Like I'm not gonna buy another Sony console just for one FromSoft game. Not yeah, again. No yeah, I did it once. Yeah. I'm not doing it again. <laughs> yeah, I was. I mean, I'm just kind of. It's weird for me because I'm just kind of a Sony guy. I mean, I just I bought this indie laptop to to play indie games on, and I still find myself gravitating for, towards the PS4. I don't know why. It's just kind of like a safe space for me. So 
I'll probably end up getting a PS5 at some point, but you're totally right. I mean, we're going to get into this later, but with the fact that all of these other studios are being purchased by Microsoft, it seems like there's less and less reason to really get a Sony console, except for unless you're like a diehard Naughty Dog fan or you're just like a fan of the of the mm. uh, brand. So Yeah, yeah. Okay, so the, the one thing I will say about Demon's Souls is that it's, it is not uh, Bloodborne. It is a more archaic game in ways that I think are good but are less user-friendly, and I'm curious to see if those rough edges are either polished off or just confound I agree completely. Bloodborne. Yeah. <laughs> there's two things in particular yeah. about... Actually, no, there's three things about Demon's Souls. One, there's a boss who can level you down in Demon's Souls. He can grab you and lower your level, which is just the <laughs> most punishing thing that's ever happened in a FromSoft game. Two, the Valley of Defilement is the most brutal FromSoft level I think that they've made. That level is dark, confusing... When I first saw it, I was like, how do they expect people to play this? Like, that was, like, my first FromSoft experience was playing mm-hmm. Demon Souls. But, like, that level is, like, Blighttown, The Gutter, uh, what's the one in Dark Souls 3, Farron Keep? None of those are as brutal. Oh, is, is not, none of those are as bad, though, is the Valley of Defilement. Right. Valley of Defilement is a whole other level of just brutal. And that game is also very dark. Like, mm-hmm. Dark Souls is called Dark Souls, but Demon Souls is actually the darker game. It's, like, really a dark game. So, like, I wonder if they're just going to lighten everything up and add more light to it because it's like a lot of time like you're struggling with just trying to see and fighting things because you have this little personal light on you and that's about it some areas I'm gonna are imagine really dark it yeah. looks brighter but like the other thing is that like it does like your your stats aren't called strength dex intelligence they're like yeah, those little weird characters <laughs> you have to go to yeah. a wiki to look up there's like a weight limit they're like there's a lot of like kind of old school shit in that game that didn't make mm-hmm. the jump to demon souls or i'm sorry to dark, dark souls, souls or yeah. bloodborne that i do think is going to People are going to grab that and be like, unless they polish it out, people are going to grab it and be like, whoa, this game's kind of fucking brutal. That, that's kind of funny because I'm just imagining some casual uh, gamer buying a PS5 and, and they're thinking, hmm, I'm not really an MCU fan, so I'm not going to get Spider-Man. I guess I'll just try this uh, sword game. Demon Souls, yeah. <laughs> and it'll be like Skyrim. It's like Skyrim, It'll right? be like Skyrim. It has dragons. And yeah. then they just, they just break their first controller. <laughs> I do wonder, I agree, if they're going to be any, cons- like, are they going to make it, are they going to refine it? Are they going to ruin some of the original, you yeah. know, brutal challenge of the original game? Are they going to, are they going to add difficulty options? Like, because this is a big Sony developed game, you know? I don't like, think right. so. That I would not. seem like blasphemy. That I agree. would seem like blasphemy. I think they wouldn't do that either. I, I agree. I think they're going to try but, and keep it true to the original. I hope so. Yeah. So, it, that game looks incredible. Uh, I, I also will not buy Sony console for one game also a game that I can go play right now I can go play it on my ps3 I can play it on my computer with, with emulation making look it makes it look nice and runs nice and blah blah blah, blah. so it, uh, I don't know hopefully it'll come out on other consoles as the initial trailer said right <laughs> or, or whatever but we'll see yeah. uh, okay moving on so just to remember we talked about this a few episodes ago we all are not fanboys and all think that games should come to everything so this is this is gonna be some some pitched battled fanboyism for fun uh but let's talk about microsoft buying bethesda for 7.5 billion dollars which i'm i'm gonna i'm not gonna lie it took me a couple of days to really chew on how much money that was like the first time i read that i'm like okay that makes sense i'm like wait a minute star wars was purchased for four billion (laughs) dollars 7.5 billion dollars that is like the gdp of like south korea so marvel was also four four billion (laughs) So it cost yeah. them almost the price of Marvel and Star Wars combined. 
to buy Bethesda. Uh, so it's also worth pointing out. I saw somewhere. I believe the the term was the operating revenue of Sony over the entire previous generation was seven billion dollars. Yeah. To put that in perspective, two thousand nineteen was eight point eight billion. Okay. So yeah. So they paid basically what Sony made in the PS4 almost for. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And um, I bet you for Microsoft, that's like, eh, that's not really a big deal. They, they, I they mean, can, they can, I wouldn't say it's not a big deal. Dude, I think they can shell that kind of cash. That they're such a big company. Yeah, they're like they're just the amount of money they bring in is just ridiculous. So uh, yeah, I, I think I think I think they're just really committed to this vision of being the Netflix of video games, and they're just willing mm-hmm. to throw yeah. all of this money at Game Pass. Like we're doing it, we're we're getting ahead of the of of the ball with this. We're just going all in on Game Pass, and we're just gonna cap the market that way. So. Mm-hmm. Which, so, okay, here's what I think about that. And here's my, my bold prediction. My bold prediction is that Sony won the previous generation of consoles and they're going to fight the quote unquote, the last war, the concept of fighting the last war is like fighting the next war, the way you fought the last war. So like world war two, the French were like, oh, world war one, we used trenches. We got the Maginot line, right? They got their asses kicked because they fought the last war. Sony, Mm. I think is fighting the last war. And I think Microsoft is fighting the next war. Um, and that's that's kind of that's kind of how I feel about this. Like them buying Bethesda is a sign that they're like, look, we're not doing that old model anymore. Like Bethesda games might even come to PS5, um, or at least some of them. I, I bet you Skyrim, or not Skyrim, Elder Scrolls Six comes to PS5. If, if they else. didn't, that not. would be a brutal, brutal. That, okay, so that would make Microsoft's exclusives, in my opinion, <laughs> like yeah. like way better yeah. than anything Sony's got. Yeah. Um, right. But. but like it's 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 I don't know. What do you think about that word? Like how how does that? Yeah, I'm. I don't know. There is a part of me that's like uh, maybe I shouldn't get a PlayStation because it re- it's such a great deal, right? I mean, you you get an Xbox or you get an awesome PC with Game Pass, you're set. You just don't need anything else. And as you were saying with the last war, you you get a PS5, you're paying $70 for each new exclusive. Just, it really yeah. doesn't compare when it comes down to the dollar, does it? So I, I think you're right. And I, I'm conceding that as kind of a Sony fanboy, at least for the last couple generations. <laughs> Sorry, yeah. I'm not really. I'm not really putting up a fight, am I? <laughs> <laughs> well, okay. What do you think about the cons? Like, how do you? How would you weigh personally? In in, in both of you guys answer this question. Um, Bethesda's catalog of games compared to Sony's stable of first party games. I'll let you go first, Orin. I, I think, I think with I think with Bethesda. If we were talking about Bethesda seven years ago, I'd be like Bethesda all the way. But I feel like, I don't know. I mean, you got Arcane, which is amazing with Deathloop and Prey and Dishonored. You got id Software with Doom. So, it, gosh. And Wolfenstein. Wolfenstein. Didn't you also love the the Tokyo, uh, the Tango Games? What are those called? Oh, uh, Evil Within. Evil oh, Within. Evil Within. Yeah, yeah, it's, Shinji Mikami, man. <laughs> well, here's the thing: it's like you have the Sony exclusives, right? But then Bethesda—that's just one cog in the Microsoft machine now, right? Yeah. So, right. so when you, so, so when you put it that way, it's totally different, right? It's like, of course, Microsoft, like that's the better catalog. So, um, it's 
it's kind of astounding because like they also have Microsoft has several studios like they've been doing this thing where they've been buying up studios since 2017 or 18. Right. And these studios haven't put out their first round of games yet or they're just starting to in any case. You've got In Exile, you've got Obsidian, mm-hmm. um, you've got their Santa Monica studio, which is going to basically be, you know, the, the prestige, I assume, studio for, for Microsoft. Uh, I still think that Gears 5 is an underrated game and that uh, yeah. the Coalition is actually making really good games. Oh, and for sure. Forza. And you've got this fucking... You, they just acquired Bethesda. Like, it's, yeah. it's bonkers to me. It's I, I'm, I can't quite wrap my head around it. They're making moves. I uh, <laughs> I think there's no comparison, in my opinion, now. Like, there's, like, like uh, I think, in my opinion, Sony's big claim to fame is definitely uncharted yes but i think last of us is really like the cream of the crop of their first party especially the second game in my opinion i mean i don't maybe people disagree and that's fine but like i think uncharted uh, uncharted is like you know tomb raider is probably better or you know you can argue, people can argue about that what's better right but they're they're both good games in that style but like last of us 2 is really like its own thing like it, it is kind of its own animal in that regard something mm-hmm. else is quite For like sure. that game so that's their big thing, I think, and uh, I like. I think I'm trying to think. What else do they have besides Naughty Dog? Uh, Gorilla Games. Well, okay, they, they put out Bloodborne, which is an incredible exclusive. Um, they put out. I'm talking first party. I'm talking about studios they own, like Sony sure. Games, Sony Games. Like well, they don't well, own Spider Man. Uh, a lot Ghost of people Spider-Man. love. Yeah, people uh, love uh, God right. of War. Like God of War. God of is War. Like War. That's it. Thank you. So, so I didn't love God of War. People love God of War. That's true. Um, that, that's not a unique game. I don't think in any way, but. Mm-hmm. Unlike Last of yes. Us 2. But that but, is a big game for sure. It's about, it was a good one game of the year, 2018, Game Awards. Um, I think it did, yeah. yeah. But I, I mean, come on, like Doom and Wolfenstein, it's like the like progenitors of the FPS genre. Like they created like so much of what we our games are today, and like big shooter games at least. And then, mm-hmm. you know, they have the guys who also did the immersive sims. They have Arcane. It's like I don't know, right. man. I just no, don't No, I, yeah. I I mean I think it's kind of funny because Aaron was posing this question of Bethesda versus Sony, but it's really Bethesda being a part of this bigger thing versus Sony. And when you put it that way, there's really no competition, especially if you're trying to save money. It's it's like, I'm going to get the Xbox Series S, I'm going to get Game Pass, I'm going to have all of these games, I'm going to be able to play them at 60 FPS. Like, it really is, that's it. And it's hard to wrap your brain around that because i've been so accustomed to this idea of sony really just kind of sweeping it up you know they're 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 Mm -hmm. winning the console war microsoft doesn't really have a chance microsoft is just kind of doing their own thing but it really seems like microsoft is just making these moves to be because they found this literal x factor so to speak in the game (laughs) pass and through the game pass they're realizing okay we're we are just going to become the Netflix of video games while Sony is still selling DVDs, right? They're the like, blockbuster. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, they're the blockbuster exactly. So uh, I think Aaron's totally right. I think and too, it's hard I think for me to admit as a Sony fanboy. When you're <laughs> launching a console, it from at least you look at last gen, it seems like having the gamers like goodwill is a really essential part of launching and being successful. And right. I feel like the last year, Microsoft kind of has done a good job of that. Like, they've been really consumer-friendly. Like, people seem to like them now, where they right. really, especially, like, me included, really didn't like them at the end of the 7th gen with Xbox 360. So, right. 
I think that this is like they're they're I think they're building good momentum to launch this console. I still think Sony's ecosystem is so strong right now that it's going to take time. If they, yeah. if you look at it in terms of what Aaron's talking about, the last war framing of like console console sales, hardware sales. But I think in terms of like I don't know, I'm not sure what what the, what would winning would be, what the what that would be. But like make, make bringing more money in or bringing in more customers, like uh, it's very possible. I think that the Game Pass could really sell people. Well, yeah, what stuff. what's what's gonna last? It, 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 because Sony is is as a company is has not been super successful for the last ten years for for reasons that I could, don't know and couldn't explain and, and couldn't really account for. I don't know if it has to do with their console business or their TV business or all their other businesses. Uh, I, I'm using Sony headphones, so I do like those. <laughs> but um, <laughs> like like when I think about Sony's first party stable and like what you get the Sony experience, right? Is that you get the quote-unquote prestige games. You get the very polished games that that maybe aren't super original, as you were pointing out, Kevin. I think that most of them are, are very derivative. Yeah. They, like, you can get that experience elsewhere, but you don't get mm-hmm. that experience where every aspect of it has been sort of, like, polished to a perfect sheen. The graphics are beautiful. The narrative presentation is extremely thoughtful. Um, but, like, there's a sameness to the Sony games. Yeah. You, you can watch these mashups where people, like, cut animations going from like the last of us to uncharted to god of war to, uh, to, and like they, they all blend effortlessly into one another because they look almost identical mm-hmm. uh, yeah like there's always like the shot of the one your ai lifting you up a wall or whatever with oh, their yeah. hands mm-hmm. <laughs> or like could you reach that oh. thing over there and it's like uh, yeah gosh. for sure it's like the same gameplay <laughs> mechanics across four different franchises right. i love it <laughs> i think uh that homogenous design is bad for sony like they should get some more diversity oh for yeah sure. oh yeah i didn't on xbox game pass last month there was microsoft flight simulator there was battle toads and yeah. i think there were like a couple other ones but those are like vastly just different genres so sony they they all do the the same third person narrative experience yeah. and the prestige game the prestige yeah. game with, yeah. with the NPC that talks to you the whole time that's exactly big, right. <laughs> that's yeah. like the big thing right they're the master uh, of dad games they're so yeah, good at the, dad the dadning games. the dad games <laughs> whereas like the big thing on like Microsoft's one of their biggest games that they put out in the last two years is oddly Sea of Thieves which I think a lot of people think of as a failure because when it first came out it's like what are you doing this game and nobody was yeah. playing it but like Sea of Thieves is is consistently one of the most played games on Steam um, it's actually a really fun game I, I had a lot of fun playing that game it's a great sandbox. game to just hang out and sandbox explore but it's a it's a totally different experience I don't I can't think of another game like Sea of no, Thieves I can't think of another game like uh, Microsoft Flight Sim and like I can't think of another game like Doom or Prey or Dishonored right. or Wolfenstein. I, I just, it's, it is still, I'm having a lot of difficulty getting my brain around the fact that these games might not be available to everyone, which, which sucks, but it's also just like an incredible masterstroke on Microsoft's part, which, which honestly, corporate consolidation, not really not a, a thing I'm thing. a huge fan yeah, of. Yeah, me neither. Uh, a huge multi-billion dollar company owning IPs that I have you know, a history with and, and find to be particularly insightful and interesting. Also, maybe not my favorite thing. The thing that I do like, though, about that is, for one thing, they're, they're letting ZeniMax self-publish their game still. Mm. So basically, what I think, and, you know, as long as things stay the way they are, 
uh, under Phil Spencer and everything, it seems like things will stay pretty much the same as far as Bethesda design and everything goes. Like, I don't think they're going to suddenly turn all their games into service games. Like, because right. like, Mike, like, cause I think uh, Gears Five is definitely a service game, and I think um, Halo Five also was a service game. I'm not sure about that. Mas- Halo Infinite. A- Halo Infinite will be a service game, right? Yeah, it's that's to a big part years. of their first party Microsoft experiences is service mm-hmm. games, continuous yeah. development design, and. Um, I think that can be hard on developers for sure to you know continuously design these games forever, at least for like four years. After right, and how out. do you? It, it also ruins games, honestly. When a game keeps getting changed like that, I mean, this is, this is one of the things that makes Counter Strike or TF2 kind of amazing is that they don't keep fucking with it. Like they fuck with mm. it a little bit, but they, those but they like, add stuff to them though. Those are service games. They are, but they're like like they're not changing mechanics or adding new operators to Counter Strike or new Uh-oh. new professions in right. TF2. Well, like, they're like, look, we have our mechanics down. We're we're gonna sit on these mechanics, and we might add new right. levels. We might tweak the levels or slightly balance this or that. But they're not changing the fucking fundamentals of the game constantly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I think at least with Gears Five they don't do that. I mean, Gears Five they just had new content, like new characters, True. new character skins. Yeah new maps they don't really they don't really change the core design. although they've changed the balance the shotgun went from having five rounds to eight that's a pretty big deal yeah that was uh, they, nerfed, they nerfed the, uh, that the was automatic a, reload that was a community request the shotgun of that game is an extremely complicated beast as it turns out oh in terms yeah. of design i suddenly break that stuff down it's like geez this is really in depth so <laughs> yeah getting that to feel right but I guess more broadly, like it's very. It, I did not expect Microsoft to buy Bethesda. Like that is something that totally came out left field for me. Mm-hmm. It's like whoa, and they did it the day before you can pre-order the console. Obviously, that was right. intentional Smart. timing. Or well, they did do. They, they announced it the day before the console. Yeah, like they, it's been in talks for a long time. Yeah, um, gosh, but that I, was the, the build that PR storm. You know, mm-hmm. gosh, I, I'm like so tempted to get like an Xbox Series S and Game Pass. It would just be such a good deal. I just that's what they, that, it. that's it, man. That's it. it that's right that twenty five <laughs> bucks a month. You just pay yeah. twenty five bucks a month for two years, and that's it. You it's, don't even have to think about it. It's perfect, especially. I mean, I'm not like a father or anything, or at least I don't think I am. Okay, bad joke. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but just, I get no respect. <laughs> but yeah. but but like if you're if you're a dad or a mom and you have like kids, getting an Xbox Series S with a couple controllers and Game Pass, you're set. Like you don't mm-hmm. have to buy anything else, and that's yep. you're spending potentially less than $450 for that whole setup and then $25 a month. It's amazing. It's incredible. It's definitely, I think, very smart for that market. Uh, yeah. I was reading about Roblox and why it's successful, and the reason is because kids who don't have any money, there's like Roblox can be like, be like a bunch of different games or a bunch of different genres. Mm-hmm. Like you right, can play right. all these different things within Roblox. And same with Minecraft as well, to a degree. So I think that's why those games are popular with young kids because they can play all these different things within that yeah. one so like in a way game pass could be that too you know you can get all these different games bundled except you're literally getting a bunch of games um yeah i mean i'm looking on game pass right now most popular age of empires 2 flight sim state of decay 2 crusaders kings uh resident evil 7 no man's sky forza horizon minecraft dungeons World Dude, you War know Z. what's big for me is mm-hmm. the next uh, dragon dragon quest 11 uh the new version s is coming to that and i'm like i was gonna buy that for 60 bucks i was like oh my god it's on game pass i don't even get it i'm just gonna just play it on game pass <laughs> oh. so oh it, yeah. it is gonna be on yeah. game pass yeah i, I thought when, that when was it comes a sony out. exclusive game nope that's oh, a square wow. enix game so yeah. square enix tends to do the at least timed exclusives i guess here's the other thing i'll say about sony like i appreciate 
some of the games that they make a lot. I really like The Last of Us 2. Bloodborne's pretty awesome. I think Sony does some good stuff. But, like, Sony does something that kind of irks me and makes me not want to give them any money. And I remember now why I never bought a PS4. They do the timed exclusivity deals whenever they possibly can. They do the uh, console exclusivity. Like, there's the reason I couldn't play Red Dead Redemption for a year was because Sony paid Rockstar not to put it on PC because I don't know because they didn't want people seeing it there or something. What like I I just don't understand why they do that. It makes me feel like they're like kind of a fucking thug. Like, yeah, yeah. They they don't want me to have my fun. Yeah. Yeah, they want you to secure it for their market. So that, that's why I was saying earlier, like seeing seeing Demon Souls, I'm like, oh, Sony's changed their mind; they're not shitheads yeah. anymore. I'm like, oh, wait a minute, they are shitheads again. And I'm like, fuck it. <laughs> I've seen know. some I'm journalists like, they call them arrogant Sony back during the where they were in the PS3 era when they were like, we're coming right. after success of the PS2. We're the most successful console of all time. Like, we're gonna right. kill it. You know, it's Ridge Racer. Ridge. I feel like they're yeah. in the same <laughs> position. And like, and and the thing is, they're leaving money on the table. Like, Microsoft's like, oh wait, if we start selling our games on PC, also we put the shit on Steam. Like, they people buy it. They make money. Like, Sony's the reason that Sony's operating revenue was eight billion dollars over the entire seventh generation. In part, maybe I don't. I'm not an economist, so. Call me bullshit on this if I'm wrong, but they are leaving money on the on the table, like not selling to broader audiences. And right. it's like, why are they wasting their money on this timed exclusivity bullshit? Yeah, it's dumb. Yeah. I hate it. Yeah, it, it it's weird. It makes, it makes me mad too. It it it, it kind of goes in cycles, right? Because as you guys noted, it was 2006 Sony, which was notoriously arrogant, and then Xbox 360 was more consumer friendly, and then that with the launch of the Xbox One, they mm-hmm. turned into the bad oh, guy, yeah. and then oh, yeah. right, and then Sony had those two PR bros kind of come up, and they were kind of the face of Sony, and then they disappeared for a while, and now it's arrogant Sony again, and then you have the face of Phil Spencer being the consumer friendly space uh, face of Microsoft. So it's funny how this all kind of comes in cycles. <laughs> and it's making oh, yeah, me right. think I should maybe give more money to Microsoft because it seems like. We're on that end of the cycle, right? Well, so, but let's but then, not forget about Microsoft being like, you have to have the Connect. It's always on. It's always recording. Right, yeah. exactly. You can never turn it off. Like, right? You know, you can't share games. You have to buy a game, and you can never share it with your friend. And if Sony releases their <laughs> blistering, how do you share a game with your friend? And they just like it's cause handing the game to his friend. Like that's how you share games. Yeah, like, exactly, exactly. Like that was, I think, one that that war for that gen. Like that was it. In part, yeah. <laughs> I mean, that definitely yeah. set it off at, at a. Yeah, and that's the thing. It's like I, I don't really trust Microsoft. Microsoft has closed studios that were making profitable games, like Ensemble stu- uh, Ensemble Studios. Mm-hmm. Um, they they don't really have a great history either, which is why I'm 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 leery and skeptical and of let's this not Bethesda buy about games on the long term. Live. Like I have and to games mention, for, oh my god, games game for, for Windows, Windows Live, is, the worst service is of all time, the worst piece of malware. Yeah, ever made by the makers of an operating system. Like, <laughs> yeah. what the fuck was? And and then yeah, they were doing the same shit then, paying for exclusive. So, I don't, I not like. I may sound like I'm being super critical of Sony, which I am, but I don't have a ton of faith in Microsoft. Like, I think for the next five or six years, we're in good hands. But in seven years, they could be like, you know what? Doom uh, Eternal Eight is going to be only on Xbox Series X X X. Uh, and and like you won't be able to play it on PC or whatever. And I don't like, see like, them doing that now. That's I, I hope just, not. Just just because it seems like 
they're like it's what you were saying. Like they're not, they're not playing that right. game anymore. They're fighting they're, a new they're, war. Uh, they're fighting the new battle, the, the service battle, the software battle, not the hardware battle. Sure, and I'm not right. saying I think that they're going to do that. I'm just saying that's not impossible. Yeah, like, them pulling I, I scummy tactics faith, again is definitely a possibility. I think, if, especially if they start yes. winning, like they start defeating Sony big time again, it's very possible. Agreed. Yeah. Yeah, I don't really have too much to say except that it seems like the console hardware now, the Series X and the Series S, is more a way to get more people into the ecosystem of Game Pass and not so much that the goal is to sell all of these Series Xs. It's just to get more and more console gamers into that ecosystem when otherwise they would probably be playing getting a playstation or something i don't know uh, absolutely so, no yeah. i mean that is clearly their strategy is is game pass over xbox which right. i think is i mean I, and i have a lot of problems with like like netflix fucking sucks right now let me tell you that that's, oh, that's yeah. a whole other story but netflix fucking sucks and what netflix's model is doing to content fucking sucks so the same exact problem could be an xbox's uh, game pass future but so so that actually brings me to one other thing is I actually canceled my Netflix subscription recently because I just realized I was spending too much time browsing on it and not actually watching anything and I'm actually happier now even though I'm spending more money just spending two three four dollars just to watch a movie and set instead so could Mm -hmm. that backfire in a way because I know if I get the PlayStation 5 and I get Final Fantasy 16 for $70, which is what the new price point might be, I know I'm going to play that game because I spent $70 on it. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, Game Pass, it might have the reverse effect where you're just browsing all of these games and you play each one for 10, 20, 30 minutes, maybe an hour, and you never actually commit to anything because you're getting all of this value and you have too much choice. So It's a fair point. Totally. Yeah. Oh, no, that, yeah overload I mean, is I've a only big problem. I've played two Steam games too. on Game Pass. Exactly. Like, I've only played Gears and Flight Sim are the only, and I've had Game Pass for like a year now. So uh, yeah, they're, they're, that is a real possibility. That's a real problem. That's a definite yeah, um, problem. Too many choices Something is bad. to consider. Too much choice is bad. That's actually part of the reason why I'm getting rid of certain social media accounts because I just need like less of this in my life. So, but you're gonna run our Instagram channel, right? Oh, as long as it's not political <laughs> or anything, I guess. I don't know. <laughs> uh, our our cosplaying uh, Atari characters is that political? I think so. Uh, <laughs> why not? Okay. <laughs> I think uh, I think that's all we've got for this week. But um, I think it's been decided. Microsoft rocks. Sony sucks. No, just kidding. <laughs> I'm probably I'm probably gonna buy a PS5, and then like three years from now, I'm gonna be so sad because I'm gonna realize that you were right, Aaron. All all along, Microsoft is playing. You're gonna be watching us play Starbound on Twitch. You're gonna be like, man, I wish I could play this game right now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Yeah. Well, we'll be back next week. I want to say, or the week after, with a Half Life game club episode oh, oh wait wait Half-Life? wait wait hold, hold on a second you said starbound didn't you mean to say starfield starfield, starfield? is that what you were oh i didn't yeah starfield yeah, garfield yeah. garfield yeah it's a, starfield the new bethesda yeah. rpg yeah 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 right you'll shut, also shut be up, watching kevin, kevin play starbound <laughs> he likes that game. But, uh, <laughs> uh yeah so we'll be back with half life uh for the game club we will be back with the regular episode the week after that and uh, and then on a break, and we'll be yeah, that's that's it. That's all I got for you, Madden. Thanks as always for the uh, awesome notes and the sound. 
The music is so cool. And uh, yeah, we're out of here. We love you, man. Love you all.